Welcome to Main Menu for January 14th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. Due to some technical difficulties, we are unable to bring you this week's edition of Tech Update from Chase Crispin. We hope to bring you next week's edition of Tech Update. On this week's show, we visit with Christopher Toth about Hope, an accessible interface for the Pandora Music Service. Next, we rebroadcast episode 4 of the VoiceOver On podcast, which takes a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly of the newest generation of the Apple TV with VoiceOver access. After that, Chase Crispin demonstrates how to enter addresses on the Trekker Breeze from Humanware. Finally, Mary Emerson demonstrates Unrestrict PDF, a program that can provide greater access to encrypted PDF files. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. I am pleased this week to be joined on Main Menu by Christopher Toth, who is known among the blind community for his work on Quitter, the most awesome Twitter application that has almost become, the word Quitter has become synonymous with Twitter. So, Chris, welcome to Main Menu. Hi there, Jamie. This week, we're actually not talking about Quitter we are talking about something new, which I must say is a lot of fun to play with. Um, we are talking about a product called Hope, which is a really awesome name for a program, if I might say so. Why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what Hope is? Hope is an application which allows the blind person to access Pandora in an accessible manner. Basically, Pandora is an internet radio service which allows you to build and customize stations based on the type of music you wish to listen to. And Pandora is completely inaccessible. However, Hope, uh, the application which I wrote, speaks to Pandora's API and makes the service accessible. When you first start up Hope, you can create yourself a station, and you can base the station off of either a particular artist, song, or genre of music which you particularly enjoy. And once you have created that station, you listen to the station, and as you are listening to the station, Pandora will present you with songs. And if you like the song, you can uh, basically hit the in hope it is a thumbs up button mm -hmm. if you don't like the song you can hit the thumbs down button and if you're indifferent about the song you can just go ahead and listen to it or hit next or whatever and basically as you do this pandora will get an idea of the kind of music that you want to hear on this station and it will play pretty much the songs that you want to hear and the type of music that you want to hear on your station so you can have custom uh basically just what you want to hear when you want to hear it and I must say, it does such a good job. I have not found very many um, reasons to do a thumbs down. In fact, I actually haven't had to do that yet. I'm sure that will happen as I play a little more, but uh, I've done a couple of thumbs ups. But uh, my goodness, it it's amazing how not only does it find the artist that you've requested, because at this time, that's all I've done is actually just create based on artists, but it actually... It does a really good job of finding similar artists as it well. It does. Uh, it gets its data from something called the Music Genome Project. And this is, uh, they did an analysis of music basically over the first decade. Um, 
all of the music they could get their hands on, and they found dimensions of similarity between songs. So now we get to use those data to actually hear stuff based on, you know, stuff that actually matters, like songs that actually do sound similar. One of the uh, really cool things about Hope is that there's really nothing to demo or to talk about because it's such a simple interface. Uh, I suppose just let's go ahead and, and let you kind of walk the listener through um, what a person needs to do to make the thing run. Basically, I'm all about designing intuitive and accessible interfaces. Um, Anyone who uses Quitter probably knows this quite well. And so Hope is relatively minimalistic. When you first launch the program, you get the main stations list. And from the stations list, you can manage your stations. You can search for a new station. You can delete the current station or rename the current station. The most common thing you'll do is you'll select a station from your list, and you'll hit the Listen button. And this will bring up the Now Playing dialog. In the Now Playing dialog, you have a couple of fields for information on the currently playing artist, uh, the title, and the album. Um, And then you have a set of buttons which you can use to navigate your playlist, a next and previous button, thumbs up and thumbs down, to do, as I said earlier, customization of your station, and uh, play and stop buttons. It's really refreshing. I mean, it almost sounds kind of um, overly simplistic to say, but it's so refreshing to actually just be able to read a title and the name of an album without any contortions at all. You know, it's funny how difficult that is in most programs, but... In 0.7, I, I made it even easier. You actually have hotkeys now, so you can just like hit Alt-T to go to the title field and stuff like that. Very nice. Very good. That's another thing, is that you do provide... And again, anyone who uses Quitter knows that you provide quite a few updates to the product. Let's talk about uh, the price. I think most people will be quite pleased with that. It's basically just 10 bucks, and the reason it is 10 bucks, and not just another freebie like most of the stuff I put out is because, uh, well, honestly, I need to eat. And here, uh, the Q Audio service I ran, or, well, do run right now, uh, we got a server bill recently that was relatively large, and I needed to take care of that, so I thought I'd write me some software and sell it to do so, and that's uh, working out pretty well so far. Very good. Yeah, I don't think very many people can complain about 10 bucks. Um, there's lots of places that uh, that gets wasted. So I think uh, putting $10 toward a, a the development of a product that is really um, easy to use and really does what it says it, it does, um, I think is, is well worthwhile. So I commend you on that. Um, our listeners may be wondering, how did you come up with the name Hope? Um, basically, if you are familiar with the myth of Pandora, as it were, uh, Hope is the last thing to come out of Pandora's box after all the bad stuff comes out. Uh, so I thought I'd put a little play on that. Well, Hope is the last thing that comes out that we need. So not only are we going to listen to and broaden our horizons of music, but many of our listeners, like myself, are going to go back and reread the story. <laughs> so very good. Um, what are some things that are, are coming in Hope? Because obviously this is a very early stage development of the product. I hope to add especially international support because currently you cannot listen to Pandora outside the U.S. So I hope to add proxy support and translation to the program. I'm also looking at just uh, general improvements to like the now playing dialogue, perhaps the ability to tweet the currently playing song, stuff like that. Also, I have some other software projects kind of on the back burner, as it were. I have multiple things that I'm working on at any one time. So it's just a matter of what becomes mature soonest so that I can put it out there for you guys to enjoy. 
I've seen the word Facebook floating around on Twitter a few times. I'm holding my breath for that one. We have everything uh, from Facebook to new versions of uh, 3D game technology, all kinds of stuff that we're researching over here. Very, very cool. Uh, now, I believe there are two models of um, the Pandora account. There's a free and a paid account. Is that correct? That is. Currently, Hope only works with the free account. However, it does allow some things that are only available on the paid account, such as uh, pretty much infinite fast forward, because we do indeed utilize the API. I have not yet figured out how to get access to the high bitrate streams that are available on the Pro account or Pandora 1 or whatever. Once I do, I will make sure to make an announcement on that, that the uh, Pandora 1 is now supported. You know, it it seems like no matter how many developments are happen with screen readers and that sort of thing, it seems like some of these really simple projects get overlooked. Why is it just lack of resources, or do people just are do the developers just kind of have bigger fish to fry, or what? What are your thoughts there? I mean, really, I I think one of the largest problems I have in this. Uh, domain is I just don't have enough people to work with me to get all the little projects and things I want to get done done. Um, for instance, you mentioned Facebook earlier, and I would love to be with tackling Facebook now, but that has not only Facebook, but a whole bunch of non-visual UI paradigms need to be actually invented for Facebook, just like I did for uh, Twitter, as it were, with the the buffer paradigm. Also, we need to figure out how to do a lot more when it comes to efficiently communicating information because there are, there's a lot more to communicate with Facebook. So this means doing stuff like research into uh, 2D sound presentation and other technologies that I'm interested in. All of this takes time and code and man hours. So I think the biggest limitation on getting all these cool things done is just more programmers. We need more people to develop and that's why I've tried to do things like start a Python class and get uh, people interested in programming it's especially you know if you don't really do much on the computer but you spend a lot of time on the computer it's seriously something you should look at learning because when you learn how to program it opens up your world and you can really do like you know hope and quitter and everything else you know and i suppose some of the i mean i i think of some of the uh best scripters that i i know of for either jaws or window eyes I mean, they work on projects that really matter to them. And that's kind of what I hear you saying here. It's something that you personally are interested in. So, of course, you're going to be uh, interested in, in you know, developing it. It's something you use. Exactly. It's called dogfooding is when you use your own products. Uh, one of the important things I think we should discuss a little bit is when it comes to JAWS, Window Eyes, etc., scripting, I would really appreciate it if a lot of those developers would consider instead of working on screen reader-specific accessibility solutions, just going a little bit further and writing custom interfaces like I am doing here, just so that, you know, if you are a Window Eyes user, you're not limited because someone has only written JAWS scripts to access something. Well, by now, everyone's anxious to go download this program, which, by the way, the um, it's very easy to pay for and instantly download. You get the instant gratification, which we all like. But go ahead and tell our listeners how to find um, Hope. Just go on to uh, q-continuum.net slash hope. Well, very good. Is there anything that you'd like to add before we uh, let you go? No, that's it, and I appreciate your time and allowing me to do this. Well, thank you for joining us on Main Menu. 
VoiceOver on. Welcome back. Uh, this is VoiceOver on, episode four. Today, we're talking about... Uh, what are we talking about, Kevin? We're talking about Apple TV, which has, um, as of the 4.1 update for the Apple TV, it contains a really cool thing called VoiceOver. Yeah. And uh, continuing the well-established trend, we'll talk about the good, the bad, and, well, the ugly. Starting with the good. Yeah, the good is um, I've used the Netflix service on a variety of different platforms, Windows, Mac, and iOS. And really, the Apple TV experience is by far the cleanest, the easiest, and really the most pleasant to use in between all the different platforms. There's some issues, but... Apple TV from start to finish, mm-hmm. from sign, um, signing in to actually bringing up a movie and going kind of fast forwarding and rewinding through it, it's by far the best. Yeah. I mean, also just the YouTube and the iTunes store and the podcast and radio, all those things. I mean, it's available on the iPhone, iOS devices, and the Mac and so forth. But it's still by far the best and usable and accessible experience on Apple TV. Yeah, fully agreed. Well, that that sort of sums it up, really. Um, I guess we should just move on to um, the things that we have discovered that maybe aren't so good. Yeah, so kind of the first thing, um, the out-of-box experience. When I got my Apple TV, it didn't prompt me to... um, I read about that it should prompt you... Like, voiceover would come on and say, triple press minus to turn on voiceover. Interesting thing there, I... didn't see that happen when I first took out of the box when it was running 4.1. Um, but later on, probably four or five days later, I did a factory restore. And voiceover came up and prompted me and everything. So there's some level of inconsistency there. Yeah, plus, you know, the thing with uh, when it asks you to, you know, triple tap minus. I wish that was just like, you know, always available to you instead of just being available when you first turn it on. Yeah, I mean, it's available on the iOS platform, and they already have some sort of keystroke set up for that, for supposedly with out-of-box experience. Yeah. So the next thing is just kind of the lack of lack of voiceover settings, such as um, keyboard echo, phonetic spelling, um, pitch, and just kind of the stuff we were used to in the iOS platform. Yeah. So, some may argue that two is plenty, you know, but obviously, you know... Why not have those features in there? And uh, figures it's the same engine. It's pretty much the same operating system. That's kind of dumbed down a little bit. A couple of extra settings for voiceover. I mean, although be it a feature request, it's something that I think is important. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, all those things are there in iOS already. Why kind of strip it down a bit? Um, Well, quite a bit. It's, it's, It's really dumbed down. But just having the Apple remote, uh, a few buttons on it. Uh, again, it's dumbed down enough for that experience, uh, but at the same time, having a couple of options in there. Uh, yeah, just the phonetic spelling and uh, keyboard echo. Yeah, and also the pitch change when you're going to like different screens or something new comes up. Uh, VoiceOver reads that in like a lower pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I find that distracting on iOS, and I turn that off. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, again, another option, just uh, an extra little option to check. Uh, hopefully, within the you know next few updates, uh, maybe maybe never, but 
I'd like to see those things in there. And again, this is not really a, a bug or a problem. This is more of a feature request, so... Uh, that I'm sure you and I both submitted to Accessibility Apple, so... Yep, that's already been done. <laughs> <laughs> so next up on the list. So when different dialog boxes come up as far as um, anything really it prompting you to about this or that, there's no way of repeating that um, the information in that dialog box, um, like the actual message itself. Mm -hmm. You can only have voiceover uh, switch among the OK cancel or the different options. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you missed it, it's gone. <laughs> You've only got yep. the OK and cancel. But again, I mean, I, I can see that being addressed in future updates. Um, Definitely. It's not a bug. It's kind of a, and it, it's that sort of, you know, just stripping features and, and, and making it on one hand easier on another hand you're, you're you're missing some things that are kind of obviously needed there yeah so another thing is when you're in any type of dialogue or any kind of screen where you want to review stuff by lines words or characters mm -hmm. that just it's not an option um various places where i fi may find this useful is when you're trying to get the serial number of the apple tv mm -hmm. you're trying to get the spelling of um a movie a TV show or the different um, uh, cast members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really allow you to just uh, select it by line. And and again, I don't know how that would be implemented using Apple Remote. Um, you'd probably figure up and down, and, and but I mean, it's just one of those things that would have to be again ironed out. I know I'm going in circles with this, but. Uh, you really want to have text navigation as you would, you know, browsing it with any, any other iOS device or OS X. Uh, like a simplified version of it, of course, but uh, not just, a, you know, that's it. You're, in the, you're inside the screen now. It's going to read the whole thing and pretty much, well, if you missed it, <laughs> open that screen again. Yeah, that's the current approach, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm an optimist, uh, so it'll probably be fixed with later updates definitely um and i mean similarly uh whenever you get you know progress bars or loading screens uh same deal uh voiceover just doesn't announce it yet yeah the only thing it says is just loading loading yeah um but it, i mean the case where you see this is when you're updating the firmware when you're loading up a podcast a radio downloading something from the itunes store Mm -hmm. There's just no progress as far as voiceover is concerned. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no progress for voiceover. Just uh, unless you got sighted help, you kind of just got to... Or, or just be very patient and just go, okay, I'll wait indefinitely. Or if you're impatient like myself, you can use an iOS app called Noogle Noggles, which <laughs> will actually um, read out the screen. Isn't that funny having to use a third-party app? <laughs> To, to read something that should be read, but again, this yeah, is... Yeah, it is, but until Apple gets around to yeah, it's, allowing such things to be read out, it works. All right, uh, next up on the list. So when you're using the iOS remote app, um, there are certain cases where I found when I was re-entering my Netflix information, I can use the on-screen keyboard on my iPhone to input it email address but mm -hmm. for whatever reason the password wouldn't work and I would have to actually use the on screen keyboard on the 
on the Apple TV in order right. to input the information. And I've seen it to be a bit inconsistent in where yeah. it would work and why it would work and so forth. Isn't but, it? Yeah, isn't it similar to the keyboard disappearing act that we've seen before? That's pretty much what happens because so at that it. point, when I got to the password field, the keyboard just wasn't there on the iPhone. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, to me, it just says one thing. It's the same bug, pretty much. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. So, again... In a different context, yeah. but same issue. Yeah. And another thing is, um, when you're using the iOS remote app or a Bluetooth keyboard connected to it, with voiceover turned on, there's no way of um, using gestures to kind of get your... Kind of either gestures or keyboard commands to get... Um, navigate or select items on the Apple TV. Yeah. Well, I I think that for now anyway, uh the the way I'd use it is I'd have voiceover turned on in the Apple TV and just turn off voiceover once I go to controls on in the remote app, uh turn off voiceover and then I can use the, you know, flick up down left right, but you know, that's that's more of a kind of workaround I suppose. Uh or yeah, is it's a it, I mean, which definitely works and then yeah i mean the, ma- the main thing really is kind of the text input stuff mm-hmm. and that still works fine especially if you have a bluetooth keyboard connected oh, because that's, that's beautiful and uh, um the iphone any io uh the iphone vibrates when the keyboard pops up so. that's that was absolutely you know again you, there's some things that that apple do sometimes that you just go like man this is just brilliant yeah, it, it's that simple. Definitely on that list, it's simple and it's it's right where it should be. And uh, again, I, I was like, I got a smile on my face when that thing vibrated. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> wow, a keyboard <laughs> popped up. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> nice feature. Totally, totally. Kudos there. Um, One thing I was kind of real happy about when I was reading about it and saw that it was included is this thing called AirPlay. Oh yeah. But in practice and kind of actual use, yeah. a few things here. Um, it's kind of inconsistent, but what tends to happen is voiceover also gets sent to the Apple TV, which means you don't have voiceover on your I- iOS device. And there's a two-second delay from the time you perform a gesture on the iOS device and the Apple TV reads it out. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes... Voiceover kind of gets stuck in between the state of <laughs> somewhere between the Apple TV and your iOS device, but actually not on either one. And you can't really, you have to kind of like perform this kind of magic stuff to get it back. Yeah, all working it's again. in the cloud, man. That's where yeah. it is. It's somewhere out there. It's in a North Carolina data server. My experience with that is as following. Sometimes voiceover does get sent to the Apple TV. And there's some monkeying about that you could do to prevent it from being sent to the Apple TV, but I'm I'm yet to sort of give you a, a really kind of complete and, and consistent workaround that's like 100% reproducible and all that. However, that's not so much the problem that I have with it. It reads you stuff that apparently it's you don't even have in focus. So you, let's say you somehow manage to navigate back to the AirPlay button with a two-second delay and everything. And then you want to select something in there. So you find, okay, you find iPhone. You're like, all right, so I'm just going to double tap that. You double tap that and nothing happens. The focus wasn't really on that item. It's a kind of a precursor to the fact that from that point on, <laughs> voiceover is just going to go somewhere to the cloud and disappear. 
And it's not going to be neither on your iPhone nor on your Apple TV at that point. It just kind of goes away. <laughs> it's stuck in your Wi-Fi. It goes binary. <laughs> it's gone. So any, any workarounds for that, that that you found, except for maybe just restart the whole thing and try again? That's the only kind of workaround that I've seen to re- work reliably. Yeah. I've also seen it where, it, it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't read correctly. It just starts adding some extra kind of garbage to stuff and just <laughs> reading. I don't know what it's reading as, as some sometimes. Yeah. So my kind of workaround is to not use AirPlay from an iOS <laughs> for now. <laughs> because it, it really is kind of a, a gimmicky feature like you've said for now yeah and where it, it all the stuff i can airplay i can watch on the apple tv you can pretty much watch in the apple tv that's right um and as far as like itunes library and all that stuff again you got a shared library you can access it through the uh i uh, the remote application without even having to you know use apple tv to browse that stuff or to bring it up on your iPhone and then hit hit AirPlay. You just don't need to do that. Um, and that kind of brings us to another issue that exists in uh, iOS, and apparently it affects Apple TV as well, uh, which is, well, it's your favorite, Kevin. You take over, man. Yeah, pretty much when you set the TTS rate in voiceover settings to... I found this even fast, but mm-hmm. you, it's mostly noticeable when you set it to fastest. Mm-hmm. I can't even use it at fastest. It, the cutoff is too unbearable, especially considering the distance. Yeah, you are from TV and just a variety of different factors. Where it's just it unusable. even cuts off characters when you bring up the on-screen keyboard. Go to like X and and other like H. It just doesn't read those yeah. letters to you. So not only when you're kind of typing stuff, because that kind of can be worked around with using uh, the remote app or a keyboard, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just kind of reading through different screens, different menu items, and uh, summary info for TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. Can't really understand what the heck it's saying because they're, the cutoff is just so horrible. Yeah. And, I mean, of course, the only way to avoid having to deal with this is to basically slow down the TTS rate. Yeah, I, I found that I can't even use it at fast. I have to use it at normal. At normal speed, yeah. That's where I am at. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much it for Apple TV. Anything you want to add about Apple TV? or uh, That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Overall, though, I'm really impressed and kind of blown away with the voiceover being included and just kind of how well it all works. I mean, the experience is really quite good. Yeah. The out-of-box and connecting it to the TV, is, it couldn't be easier. <laughs> no, I mean, it's beautiful. It's I mean, this is what it should be like and you know, a few few bugs with it, but uh, some but of them... Again, it yeah, doesn't have bugs. Yeah, I mean, true enough. I mean, I, there's nothing that I could point at in this room that I'm sitting in right now, which is full of gadgets that doesn't have bugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another thing I wanted to mention quickly is uh, there's been some confusion on Twitter about uh, VoiceOver on podcast and the podcast channel that we just started for you, the, kind of your own personal uh, demo and know-how podcast for iOS uh, that is called um, iOS VoiceOver. Yeah, and pretty much what the things I'm doing there, I've kind of, for a while, I've been doing various podcasts, demonstrating various apps, um, touch typing, and just kind of more of a tutorial, how-to tips, and that sort of deal. Um, so if people want to check that out, that's Kevin Chow, K-E-V-I-N-C-H-A-O dot podbean.com. Um, and you just being or, approved by iTunes, I believe. Yep. 
so uh, I'll be searchable in iTunes, just searching for iOS voiceover. Yeah. And pretty much, I mean, what we have going here on voiceover on is, for the most part, a discussion. Yeah, about user experience, uh, bugs, bugs and workarounds, too, if, if those are present. We'll keep that moving forward. And if people want to kind of send us emails or follow us on Twitter, we're voiceoveron at gmail.com and then twitter.com slash voiceoveron. See you next time. See you guys later. Voiceoveron. Hearing from you, the listener, is very important to us here at Main Menu. You can send us feedback by emailing mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. Would you like to know what's happening on Main Menu and possibly interact with other listeners as well? To join the Main Menu Friends mailing list, send a blank message to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. To join an announce-only list where you can learn about all of the programming on ACB Radio, send a blank message to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you would like to interact with other ACB Radio listeners, send a blank message to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can follow Main Menu on Twitter by visiting www.twitter.com mainmenu. That's www.twitter.com mainmenu. Finally, you can call the Main Menu comment line at 206-339-0954. That's 206-339-0954. Hello Main Menu listeners, this is Chase Crispin, and today I would like to show you how to input an address into your Trekker Breeze. As you may or may not know, in the latest Trekker Breeze update, which is version 2.0, you can now enter an address into the Trekker Breeze. The huge advantage to this now is that you don't have to be somewhere to mark a place as a landmark before, before you can navigate to it. What I mean is that with previous Trekker Breeze versions, you had to go somewhere mark that place as a landmark, and then choose it from your landmarks list to get there. So you had to visit a place before. So if you wanted to get somewhere quite a ways away that you had never been before, that would be no help. Also, the original Trekker has been discontinued, so the Trekker Breeze is now HumanWare's only standalone GPS option, so it is very important that you're now able to enter an address. The way you go about entering an address is kind of different, so this is one part that you want to listen very closely to. You enter text into the address fields like you would on a cell phone with only a numeric keypad. What I mean is that most of the buttons have three numbers and one letter. The settings button has the number one. The where am I button has A, B, C, and two. The repeat button has D, E, F, and three. The left arrow 
has G, H, I, and 4. Confirm has J, K, L, and 5. The right arrow has M, N, O, and 6. The explore and backtrack button has P, Q, R, S, and 7. The record button has T, U, V, and 8. And the landmarks and routes button has W, X, Y, Z, 9, 0, and space. When you enter an address, you need to hold down the button. It'll take a few seconds before it announces the first character under that button. Once you hear it, you need to release the button very quickly after you hear what you want to type. Otherwise, it'll type in the next character. The setting to enter an address is in your landmarks dialog box. And you can enter an address even without GPS coverage and then navigate there later. So I'm going to hold down the landmarks button. This is the bottom right button on the Trekker Breeds if it is in the correct orientation. Select a landmark as your destination. 14 landmarks. Home. And I hear 14 landmarks, and the first one is home, but I'm home right now, so this isn't going to do me any good. So I'm going to left arrow one time. You could arrow all the way around to the right, and this would be the last option. But these menus do wrap, so you can arrow just once to the left. Enter an address. To enter an address. If I press confirm here. Select a state. Three states. Any. Osiwa, Nebraska, Kansas. And this map that I have on here has three states now. Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. The GPS can find out that I'm in Nebraska, so this is presented as the first choice, as it is most likely. So I'll press Confirm on Nebraska, or NE. Enter city name. Enter city name. It wants to know which city that the place that I would like to go is in. And I would like to go to the Walgreens in Blair, Nebraska, which just opened very recently and is not yet marked as a point of interest. So I'm going to put BL... And that'll be enough for it to find Blair. So I'm just going to type BL. I'm going to hold down where am I till I hear B. I'm pushing it. A. B. And I let go. Now you heard that it took a couple seconds after I pushed it till it said A. Now I'm going to hold confirm till I hear L. I'm pressing it right now. J. K. L. And I got BL. So I'm going to tap confirm now. 12 cities. Bladen. And I have 12 cities that start with BL in Nebraska. So it searched and narrowed down the list of cities by what I typed. I'm not Bladen. Blair. But it is Blair. I got to Blair by right arrowing from the first choice. So I'm going to press confirm here. Enter street name. And it says enter street name. This, where I want to go, is on Washington Street. So I will type W-A. As you can see, the first two letters are usually good. So I'll type W by holding down the bottom right button. Now that time I held it down too long, I didn't release it quick enough after it said W, so it typed an X. So to delete, I'll tap the left arrow quickly. Delete. X. And it says delete X. So now I'll go ahead and hold it again. W. That time I got it. Now I'll hold where am I right now for A. A. And I let go of it. So I have W, A. Now I'll press confirm to see the list of streets that have W-A in them. Nine streets. Highway 30, south. Now Highway 30 has H-I-G-H-W-A. So that's why that's there. I don't want to go to Highway 30. Highway Avenue. 
Nope. Iowa Street. Nope. I'm going to the State right. State Highway 133. Nope. State Highway 91. Nope. Us Highway 30. Nope. Us Highway 75. Nope. Washington Street. And it is Washington Street, so I'll press confirm here. Enter civic number. I'm going to hear enter civic number, and this is the street number. And this, where I want to go, is 1260. I'll type 1 by holding down the settings button. 1. I'll type 2 by holding down where am I right now. A. B. C. 2. I'll type 6 by holding right arrow and pressing it right now. M. N. O. 6. And then 0. I'll hold the bottom right button. W. X. Y. Z. 9. 0. And I have 1260 written, so I'll press confirm. 1260. Landmark 1260 Washington Street created. Press confirm to start instructions. Press and hold if in vehicle. And it tells me it's created. Warning. Turn instructions to a landmark may guide you through unfamiliar paths. And I can press home. And it tells me home because that's where I am right now. So if I want to walk to Walgreens, I can press confirm. Pedestrian guidance 2. And pedestrian guidance is walking. 260 Washington Street. Please head east towards College Drive, crossing North 30th Street on your right. And that would be the first instruction. But I don't want to go there right now. So I'm going to press the bottom left button, which is the Explore button. Guiding to a landmark. Press Confirm to stop guiding. And press Confirm to stop guiding. Route deactivated. But let's, Explore. Let's say next week I want to go there. I can hold my Landmarks button. Select a landmark as your destination. 15 landmarks. Now we hear 15 landmarks. Home. Before I only had 14. I'll left arrow. Enter an address. I don't want to enter an address. 1260 Washington Street. But now I hear 1260 Washington Street is there. So if I wanted to go there, I could press confirm and choose to walk or to drive there and get guidance. So this is available at any time until you delete the landmark. This takes a little bit to get used to, and it's not the fastest option of inputting, but being the Trekker Breeze has very few buttons, which makes it easy to use. This is the easiest way that you could enter an address. So, as long as you have the map for the state you wish to go to, you could use it. So if you wanted, if you're going to make a road trip in a car, or you're taking a bus somewhere, and you want to take your Trekker Breeze along and get guidance, you could do this, as long as you have the map for that state. Most maps come with three states. Now let's say you want this place that you put an address in for to be a landmark, but you don't want that address to be there because it is very easy to forget addresses, especially if you've went to a lot of addresses. So if you would like to create a voice label for that bookmark, you can go to Settings by holding the top left button. Settings. Seven items. Landmarks. And Landmarks is the first option, so I'll press Confirm. Landmark Selection. 15 landmarks, 1260 Washington Street. This is the most recent one we created, so this is the first one that's listed. So if I press confirm here, we'll have three options. Landmark settings, three items, rename landmark. I can rename. Unset as a possible destination. Unset as a possible destination. Delete landmark. Or delete the landmark. I'm doing this by right arrowing. Rename landmark. I want to rename it, so if I press confirm, I'll be asked to record a label for it, so it won't say the address anymore. I'll do this now. 
Record new landmark name. Walgreens on Washington Street in Blair. Landmark recorded. Your landmark has been renamed successfully. Explore. And if we check our landmarks list. Select a landmark as your destination. 15 landmarks. Home. My left arrow. Enter an address. Walgreens on Washington Street in Blair. We hear Walgreens at Washington Street in Blair. This is about all I have to show you with entering addresses on the Trekker Breeze. I think I covered everything, but if you have any questions about this, you can look at the Trekker Breeze manual by going to humanware.com, H-U-M-A-N-W-A-R-E dot C-O-M, clicking on support, and then clicking on Trekker Breeze. Hi everybody, this is Mary Emerson, and I have great news for people who have trouble with PDF files that have encryption or password restrictions on them so that although you can access the file in a PDF reader, you cannot save it to a text file. Well, there's a way around it. PCVARE.com, which is globally known, I know I've run into this particular site for various reasons. I've never really purchased anything from them until today. They have a lot of email conversion programs and stuff. They have a piece of code. It's not even a megabyte big. It's very small. And it's called Unrestrict PDF. And you can get it from this company. They sell through RegNow or Plymus. And I got it through Plymus. You have a choice of whether to get it through RegNow or through Plymus when you order the product. It costs $69 and you get a $4 one-year access to the licensed program if you lose it or something. I keep the program on a separate external drive. This is a very, very small program. And when you purchase it, you can install it very easily. It doesn't say anything on the site about whether it runs in Windows 7, but it does say it'll work in Vista and XP. You can get a free trial version, which is about the same size. I believe it's 740K, if I remember correctly. You can download that and just run it quickly to see if it will work in any newer version of Windows other than Vista. I have XP Home Edition, and that's what I'm running it on. The freeware trial version will only tell you whether a PDF file can be unlocked or not. But that's all it does. It will not actually unlock the file for you. That's the restriction of the trial version. You can exit the program, and every time you exit this program, it will ask if you really want to leave. And yes, you do, so you push the button to get out, and it lets you out. Once you get the regular licensed version, you download it. There's no such thing as a license code or a license number to type in. You get a link to the licensed version, and it will specifically say that it is licensed when you download it. It's in the file name itself. Then you can run it against a PDF file, and I'm going to do that here. When you install the software, 
it will ask you if you agree to the license agreement. At one point, you will tab and you won't see anything in Braille or hear anything. That's the license agreement. And, of course, you can up and down arrow to read that license agreement. You tab past that once you've read that. And usually I end up landing on the I don't agree. So I up arrow once and that highlights the I agree. And then I tab past that and push next. And that's how you get into the installation process. Since this is very small, you don't have to wait too long to install it. Now, I'm sitting on a shortcut on my desktop to this program. You have to set up a shortcut on your desktop if you want this to be quickly accessible. If you don't, then you will have to go into your C drive, into Programs or My Programs or whatever it's called in your version of Windows, and then you look for the letter U, just type the letter U until it says unrestrict PDF, which is one word. And that's a folder. And you get into that folder and you look for the EXE file. And in this case, it says unrestrict PDF version 4.0 licensed EXE. So what I'm going to do here is push enter on this program. And I'm not going to unrestrict a PDF file, but I am going to show you the process so that you will know how easy this is to work. Okay, pushing enter. Unrestrict PDF v4.0 license dialog. Select PDF document you want to unrestrict read only edit. Now there's nothing here, but I'm going to tab. Browse button. And I'm going to push the browse button. Open dialog. File name. Edit combo. Zero items. And I'm going to tab. Files of type. Open as read only. Open button. Cancel button. Look in. Combo box. New. Five and this of five. is where I want to go. I want to be in the new folder. And I'm going to tab. Toolbar up. Toolbar. Folder view. List view. Not selected. Downloads. One of three. And this is where I want to be. So I'm going to make Downloads. sure that it's selected. I'm going to type the first letter of the file name. And I'm not going to tell you which file I'm setting up to unrestrict. I don't want to risk any copyright restrictions or anything like that. But I'm going to press the letter and cut out the file name and then we'll proceed. Okay, I'm on a PDF file and I'm going to push tab. File name, edit combo, files of type, combo box, Adobe PDF files, PDF one of one, and I'm going to push tab again. Open as read only checkbox not checked. That's not checked. Tab. Open button. Push the open button. Unrestrict PDF v4.0 license dialog. Information dialog. Unlock button. And I'm on the unlock button. But I'm going to show you what else we've got here. I'm going to tab. Cancel button. Check one checkbox not checked. Now if you want to just check to see if this is unlockable push the spacebar to highlight the checkbox, but we're not going to do that. So I'm going to tab. Unlock button. And when you push this, it will unlock the file. And the process only took a couple of seconds. It was really quite amazing. It was almost instantaneous. Since we're not going to do that, I'm going to cancel out of here. Cancel button. Browse button. And I'm going to tab some more. About button. And this just tells you that this is a licensed file and all that kind of thing. And then I'm going to tab again. Help button. I haven't looked at the help. I haven't really needed to. 
Tab again. Exit button. I'm going to push spacebar on exit. Unrestrict PDF dialog. Are you sure you want to close this application? Yes button. And I'm going to push spacebar. And we're out. So that is a very, very simple and very practical unrestrict PDF file program. Now, if you want to go look at the features of this program, you can go to http colon slash slash www.unrestrictpdf.com and this is all one word lowercase u-n-r-e-s-t-r-i-c-t-p-d-f and this is absolutely a terrific piece of code yes it does cost a bit and it says that it works up through version 9 of Adobe Acrobat Reader. Since this program has not been updated since 2008, I really don't know whether this is going to be updated anytime soon or if perhaps they just didn't feel like it was necessary for Windows 7. Perhaps it still works in Windows 7. The website has an option to purchase the software or you can do what I did, which is to download the trial version in the trial version, you have an option to try it, and that will put you into the same little dialog box that I told you about. Or, if you tab past the try it, then you will see purchase, or buy, or it says something like that. And that will take you to the website where you can buy it. And you will have a choice of whether to get it from RegNow or from Plymus. So, very easy, very straightforward, terrific piece of software and it will certainly come in handy, definitely. You may not use it very often, but it's great when you got it. This is a terrific tool for blind users. Another thing, they have different types of licenses. The license that I got is for an unrestricted time limit. They have one and two year time limit licenses, and this unrestricted time limit will work for as long as you want it to and I would recommend you get that if you can afford it. Keep in mind also that this will unlock a file so that you can save it to text, but if there's no text in the file, it will be unlocked, but you won't be able to see anything if you try to read it. That's it. I hope this software works well for you. And this is Mary Emerson. If you have any questions, you can email me at maryemerson. M-A-R-Y-E-M-E-R-S-O-N at sbcglobal.net. Thank you for listening, and bye for now. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team... I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.